Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you, band. Um, thank you for ministering to me. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I usually don't wear a tie. Uh, in fact, I usually wear shorts. Um, but uh, Dave made a comment uh, earlier this week and said, I don't know, he was talking to someone and mentioned, yeah, Ben's preaching, and he'll be there in a tie. And uh, I think he meant it as a joke, but I thought, hey, why not? You know, <laughs> Once in a while, keep everybody guessing. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. I could stand up here and talk to you about the destruction and devastation and just overall pain that I saw when I went to New Orleans in 2006. Or I could show you. I could show you what the water did. I could show you the the work that we did and the stuff that we pulled out and threw away. I could show you houses that were torn off of their foundations um, by the winds and the waves. And the pictures communicate so much more than me just telling you. I could tell you how beautiful it was backpacking in Mount Lassen uh, National Park. Or I could show you and just show you just the gorgeous view that we had from our tents, the sunrise we woke up to, and even just a gorgeous waterfall. I could tell you that my family is goofy and just likes to have a lot of fun. Um, Or I could show you, right? (laughs) I think this portrays so much more than, um, than just telling you about my goofy family. I could tell you that uh, the junior hires, we, we love to have a lot of fun and, and hang out. Um, or I could show you. <laughs> this is uh, Stephen Rapt. All the sticky side of the tape is pointing outwards and kids were shooting Q-tips at him. Um, the goal is to see how many Q-tips we could get to stick. Um, these are all the girls pretending to be asleep up at, uh, down in Santa Cruz. We were serving the homeless and they needed a break, I guess. Um, here we are getting ready to play some fish baseball. Uh, you can ask the kids what that is later. And um, here's Zach just being Zach. <laughs> so we like to have a lot of fun. But the point of this all, okay, I've got to change the picture. You're going to be laughing about this for a while. <laughs> the point of this all is that a picture goes much farther than words ever could. And we see... In John 15, Jesus using a picture. In fact, if we take a step back to the last half of the last verse in John chapter 14. By the way, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to John chapter 15. That's where we're going to be spending our time this morning. But the very end of John chapter 14. Now, in the last couple chapters that we've been going through, John chapter 13 and John chapter 14, Uh, Jesus has been having a discussion with his disciples, talking to them in this room. They had a Passover feast together, and they've been reclining around a table, talking to each other, possibly just chilling, sitting on pillows, but basically being inside. 
At the end of John chapter 14, Jesus says, come now, let us leave. So John chapter 15 is a completely different setting. They're no longer inside in a room. They are now outside walking around. And where are they walking? They're walking in a garden. Jesus, in his last hours before he was arrested, spent his time in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he did a lot of praying and um, just crying out to God. But before he did that praying, he was walking with his disciples through a garden. And as they were walking through the garden, Jesus brings up this image of a vine and branches. Now, how perfect is that for them to be going through and Jesus is just pointing as he's walking? And they're able to look and see vines, branches, and be able to make that connection with their eyes. Well, I'm going to try to do something close to that. No, we're not going outside. Um, it might be a little bit hectic. <laughs> but uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys something to visualize. And uh, my helpers are coming down, and they're going to pass out to you a little baggie with some grapes. Now, please do your best to try to refrain from eating the grapes, uh, because they're going to be used in a little illustration in a little bit. Um, so there's, there's purpose to them. So, so hang on to them and, and try not to eat them yet. I will, I will give you the go-ahead at one point, okay? And uh, apparently Laura had a couple yesterday and said they're fantastic. So um, I, I probably shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> but anyways, um, this is going to be a visual picture that we're going to use. So as you've got your grapes, um, or as you're getting your grapes, just look at them as I read this passage to you. John chapter 15, I'm starting in verse 1 and going through 11. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Let's pray once more. God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for a picture. God, something that can express to us what we need to learn that words by themselves cannot. 
God, help us to grab onto this picture and help it to, to draw us closer to you this morning. God, use me and, and let my words be yours. Let me communicate what you need me to hear and what you need everyone else in here to hear as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So the real question of this passage is what does it mean to remain? I don't know if you caught it, but as we went through the passage, the word remain kept popping up time after time after time. In fact, uh, John loves this word. Uh, he uses this word, this Greek word for remain, more than anyone else in the New Testament. In the New Testament, this word is used uh, 120 times, and he uses it 68 of those times throughout John and 1 John, 2 John, and Revelation. And so this morning we're talking about no Jesus, no fruit, no Jesus, no fruit. But here's where I'm going with this. This is all 41 instances of the word being used in the book of John. This, this Greek word, which I'm not going to try to pronounce because I'm totally going to butcher it. Uh, but as you go through the book of John, it's, it's translated different ways. But what you should catch as you look at this, and I'm going to highlight all the different ways that it's translated. Abide, remain, dwell, stay, spend, as in spend time, continue, tarry, endure, hold, permanent, belong, live, be, with, present, last, and left. It has this sense of endurance, of staying, of a long time, of commitment. Now let me show you our passage. Our passage is highlighted in yellow. So this is what we're going through. Obviously, most of the time it's translated remain. But one that I wanted to point out is the last one. Look in verse 11, because John uses this word yet again. And it's kind of hidden because it's not translated remain. In verse 11, it says, I have told you this so that my, my joy may be, that first be is that same Greek word, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So in other words, that my joy may remain, that my joy may stay, that my joy may dwell, live in you. It's this idea of permanence, continuance, lasting a long time. So, as we uh, dive into this passage this morning, what we're going to look at is this word remain, and what does it mean to remain? Because obviously this is something that's important to John, because he uses it 11 times in this passage. A quarter of the times he uses it in the, New or in the book of John are right in this passage. So let's go ahead and dive in. First of all, if you're taking notes, this is your first of two blank fill-ins. Remaining requires connection. Remaining requires connection. I thought for a long time, sitting in my office, trying to come up with some modern-day illustration that communicates this topic. And sometimes it's helpful to put it in a modern-day modern terms. But with this passage, I think Jesus hit the nail on the head. This is a perfect illustration of what he's trying to communicate. So we're going to run with it. 
All right, it's great time. Everybody ready? All right. In your bag, there should be one grape that is not connected. It's just sitting there. That's on purpose. (laughs) Now, let me ask you, can you connect this with the other grapes? No? You don't think so? How many say, yeah, I can totally connect this with the other grapes? How many say no? Okay, Ethan, I saw your hand. How can you connect this grape with the other grapes? Super glue. Okay, other ideas? Yeah. Tape. Okay, tape is always great. Yeah. Weld it. Okay. <laughs> what else? What? Staple them. Right. Someone said eat them. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But outside of that, it's really hard to reconnect this grape with all the other grapes. Right? Let me, let me ask it this way. Can you connect it so that it will receive the same life as the others? Now, I know, like, these aren't receiving any life because they're not connected, but imagine they were and you were trying to reconnect this grape. Okay? It would, unless you were, like, some professional gardener and had a, a nice microscope, because this is kind of small and really hard to graft in, it would be a challenge for you to be able to connect this grape back to the others so that it's receiving life. Now, if you want to, you can go ahead and eat that unconnected grape. I just wanted to have that picture of not being connected, okay? Oh, Laura, you're right. These are fantastic. Mm, It's okay to eat in church. Now, God is the gardener and wants to connect us. If we desire to be connected to the vine, God is the perfect gardener and will graft us in. If you aren't connected, if you haven't given your life over to Jesus, why not make it today? I want to show you some of the promises that Jesus has offered for those that are connected. Being connected means... I love this picture because it's got, you can clearly see the trunk and you can clearly see the fruit and the branches that are coming off of it and how they're all connected and receiving life. Now, let's dive into this passage and look at these promises. First of all, more fruit. God will make you even more fruitful if you're connected and bearing fruit. Well, let's talk about what this fruit is that we're bearing, because that's kind of important. Okay, we're not bearing grapes. Uh, That's not the kind of fruit. You don't have to be an actual gardener to, to be walking with God. That's not what he's trying to communicate. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it talks about what this fruit really is. And some of you may know this passage. Uh, The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love how he ends it. Against such things there is no law. This is what the fruit of the Spirit is. And these things are pretty all-encompassing, too. 
Um, kids, let me ask you a couple of questions. Now, the word sharing isn't in that list. Not at all. But, kids, is sharing one of the fruits of the Spirit? How many say yes? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Sharing is being kind, right? Is it, is it kind to share? Yes. Okay. Say yes. You got mom and dad, you know, mom and dad, give them a little nudge. Yes, that's the right answer. Okay, yes, it's kind to share. Kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So yes, sharing is a fruit of the Spirit because it's part of kindness. Or, how about if you do the dishes without being asked? Whoa, is that one of the fruits of the Spirit? Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) Sure it is. That's kindness and love as well. You're showing love to mom and dad. You're showing kindness to them. That's a little hint, kids. If you want to get on their good side, do some dishes. All right. Um, Good. I wanted to be clear on what this fruit is. So now that when we reference it, we all know what we're talking about. We're not talking about grapes or coconuts or anything like that. Okay? We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So this fruit. Now, it says in verse 2, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. If you're connected to the vine, if you are committed to God, receiving that nourishment, he's going to work on you and invest in you so that you bear more fruit. As the gardener goes through his garden or orchard or whatever, he is going to take notice of the trees or the plants that are giving him lots of fruit and will invest time in pruning them to make them even more fruitful. Now, we'll talk about those that aren't bearing fruit in a minute. But if you are bearing fruit, one of the things he promises is he's going to work on you so that you will be bearing even more fruit. Another one of his promises is security. Look in verses 4 and 10. He says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. He's not going anywhere. Verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. If we remain connected, Jesus will remain connected with us. A branch that continues to bear fruit will not just fall off the tree. Rather, the tree continues to send the branch nourishment so that it continues to produce fruit. And the third promise that Jesus says in this passage for those that are bearing fruit is anything. Verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is a sweet promise. Now, we got to be sure to be clear on what this anything is. Okay? So, back in uh, John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, it says this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. 
And Dave talked about this a couple of weeks ago and focused on the idea of in my name and what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. It's not saying, all right, Jesus, I've been waiting for a long time and I really want that Hummer. I've been praying for a while and, man, I've even like gone and sat in them and I look good in a Hummer. And please, God, if you could just give me that Hummer, things would be just just fine. I'd even drive to church in that Hummer. I mean, like, that's, that's how committed I am. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the asking for anything. That's not what he's trying to communicate here. He's, he's letting you know that when you are doing things in his name, you are doing things for his sake, for his purposes, for his betterment, and not your own. It's all about him. It's not about you. And when you have that focus, when you have that goal in mind, I want to further Jesus' kingdom. I want to further His name. The things you ask for are not going to be selfish. They're going to be for His kingdom, for His name, for His purpose. And that's that kind of anything that He is offering here. So don't leave this morning thinking, man, I can ask Jesus for... Well, not a Hummer because Ben used that example, but I can ask Jesus for pretty much anything else and he'll give it to me. No, no, no. That's not it. But the whole idea of asking for it in his name, for his purpose, and he's going to give it. These are sweet promises. Doesn't this all look good? He's going to take care of us. He's going to invest in us so that we can be bearing more fruit. He's going to give us that security. That he's not going anywhere. He's committed to us. And anything. If you have never connected with Jesus, if you have never decided to follow him, I urge you to do so today. Now, I didn't prepare you for this, but community leaders, can you stand up real quick? If you're a community group leader... I want you to see their faces so that if you need someone to talk to later today, come talk to one of them. If you want to know what it means to be connected, come ask one of them or ask me. I'd love to talk to you about it. You can go ahead and sit down. Thanks, guys. Please come talk to one of them. Now, just as Jesus had promises for those that are connected, he did have promises for those that are not connected. Those that are not bearing fruit. Obviously, this branch is pretty done bearing fruit. Now, let's take a look at what he promises for those that are not bearing fruit. First of all, verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. If one branch isn't bearing fruit while all the others around it are, something must be wrong with the connection. Something's got to be just not clicking. Either it was grafted in wrong, or it's just some of the xylem and phloem are not connected, or whatever it is, this branch is not getting the nourishment that it needs. It's kind of like, you know, if you're looking at a power strip, and you've got a whole bunch of things plugged in, 
and one of the things isn't working, well, you know it's not the power strip because everything else is working and on. You know there's something wrong with that connection with that one thing. So you'd look, okay, is it plugged in? Yes, okay. Is it something wrong with the unit? Is it something wrong with... And one of the first things you do would be to pull out that plug. Disconnect it. If something's not bearing fruit, if something's not working, if something's not receiving that life, then it's going to be cut off. We're going to talk about what that means in in just a little bit. A couple other images he uses. Thrown away and burned in verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is talking about the ultimate pain and punishment. Separation from God. So here's a tough question. Does this mean that you can lose your salvation? People that believe you can be saved and then lose your salvation use this passage to support their argument. But this is not what Jesus is saying. He's offering a warning, which I am extending to you. Examine your life. See if you are producing fruit. Ask your friends, too. If you or your friends can't see any fruit in your life, you may want to take some time and think really hard about whether you're connected or not. Just as the garden will question a branch's connection if it's not bearing fruit, so you should question your connection if you're not bearing fruit. It's time for some more grapes. All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your little... Ooh, I got an extra unconnected one. <laughs> mm. All right, I want you to take your little bunch and I want you to pull one grape off and then try to put it back on. Now, I know we talked about putting them back on before, but just kind of put it back there. It kind of looks like it's connected again, right? I mean, after pulling it off, you can put it back on and go, yeah, that, that grape looks really connected. Now, though it may look connected... It really isn't and will quickly die. I had, you can eat yours too. Um, I had Travis take a couple of branches off his tree. One of them before the other. Which one? (laughs) Um, Now, if I took this branch and kind of like set it right next to the tree or took some super glue or tape or whatever and tried to reattach it, it would look like it was connected. It would look like, yeah, that's, that's a part of the tree. That's growing. But in a couple of weeks, it would look like this. And you'd go, hmm, something's wrong with this branch. It's not connected. This is, this is the point I'm trying to make. People can look connected. This is why I'm challenging you to examine your life and not the lives of others. Because we can all sit and ask, well, you know, I know this person that, you know, 
says they're a Christian and does this and this and this, but does this and this. Well, are they going to heaven? And the way I always approach that is I say, well, what about you? How are you doing? Focus on you. Are you walking the walk? Are you connected? Are you interacting with God? Or are you just faking it? You can put on a show, but only you and God know where your heart is at. Is this fruit that you're producing something that looks good but has no substance? Or are you truly connected to the vine? You can put on a show or you can be really connected. My challenge to you is examine your life. Take a look at yourself. Man, am I truly connected? Am I really sold out for this? Or am I just playing a game? Am I just here for the food, the tasty grapes, or whatever? By the way, go ahead and eat the rest of them. Okay? Enjoy, please. So remaining requires connection. To remain in Christ, you've got to be connected. Second of all, remaining requires commitment. Requires commitment. We're going to take a, a deeper look at this word now. I want to pull up this slide again in all these different ways. And I mentioned in the beginning that all these different ways that this word is translated point to this idea of commitment or long-term or lasting. I love the way the message Translate the, translates this word. It says, make yourself at home. It's, it's getting comfortable. Laura and I just moved to this new apartment and we're taking time to make ourselves at home. Unpacking, putting things away. We're not there for short term. We're there for the long term. We're getting comfortable. We're moving in. Because we know we're, we're staying put. And that's what this idea of abiding is. Remaining. It requires commitment. This isn't just a once in a lifetime thing. This is long term. <clears throat> oh, we'll get to that in a minute. It's coming. <laughs> Sorry, I, I jumped the gun. I got excited. One, one other thing I want to, one other distinction I want to make is that you're not earning your salvation. Some people may look at this and go, oh, well, gosh, okay, if this requires commitment, then I have to work at remaining connected. And if I'm not working hard enough or if I'm not doing things quite right, then I'm out and, and, and God's going to cut me off and I'm not going to be connected anymore and I've got to just do all these things or God's not going to be happy with me. And that points to this idea of, works-based salvation, that you have to do a certain amount of things to get into heaven. And if you don't, you're going to fall short. But the Bible teaches exactly contrary to that. It says that by grace you have been saved. It is not of works so that no one can go and boast. It is not by the good things that we have done, but by according to his mercy that God has saved us. 
So how does this work out with this remaining and continuing and making yourself at home and all this kind of stuff? Well, there's a difference between justification and sanctification. And Dave's talked about this a number of times, and we're going to go over it again. Justification is a one-time thing. Justification is Acts 16.31. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Done. Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Done. One time. Justification is being made right before God. Sanctification is a little bit different. It's talked about in Romans 7 as Paul is wrestling with, well, I want to do good, but I don't. And there's this battle fighting within me. And I, I know what the right thing is to do, but I do the wrong thing instead. And going back and forth. It's Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, God is working in us, but we are still working. And the idea of sanctification is being made more like Christ. It's a process. It's something that takes a long time. Here comes the picture. On October 7th, 2006, I was married by this good man over here, Dave Carlson. Um, I promise we had a good time. Uh, really, I, I don't know if you can tell or not, but yeah, we, we, we had fun. And she was happy to marry me, okay? She wasn't forced into this. <laughs> okay, well, I got it. Sorry. <laughs> I get so excited about these pictures. Um, on October 7th, 2006, I got married. Done. On October 6th, I wasn't married. On October 7th, I was. Every day after that, I was. That was my one-time thing. That was my justification, in a sense. My job's not done. And those of you that are married know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, the marriage day is one day. One moment in time. I do, I do. I now pronounce you husband and wife. But that's not the end. Dave's going through some premarital counseling uh, with a couple that's getting married in, in less than a month. No, a little bit more than a month now. And he's not going through premarital counseling with them to get them to the marriage day. It's to get them through every day after the marriage day. Because it's a lot of work. Those of you that are married know it's a lot of work. It's not, okay, I'm married, now I get to sit back and, cool, now there's someone else in the house. Yippee. No, there's a lot more to it than that, and it requires a lot of effort and a lot of work. You see the difference between one time and a long time. It's the same thing here. You are saved one time. You come to God you ask for forgiveness. You accept Him one time. But that doesn't mean you're done. 
That's the beginning of this relationship that you need to work at, that you need to grow in. You develop the relationship. You spend time with each other. You get to know each other better. Does it sound like marriage? It should. Because that's what it is. It's a commitment. Yes, it does require work. But the connection is natural. It's natural. You are not earning your connection by producing fruit. A branch does not say, hey, I, I belong to this tree. See, I'm, I'm producing the fruit, so can I get grafted in? No, no, no. In fact, it proves the connection. Take a look at verse 8. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Branch growth is all natural. No one has to come in and tell a branch how to grow. It just does it. It knows what to do. But it also takes a long time. You can see a branch start to bud in year one and grow a little bit more in year two. Most branches do not produce fruit in their first year, especially on trees. It takes a long time for them to grow. And then as the branch grows, it starts to bear fruit. And then it starts to have these branches that aren't bearing fruit. And so there's pruning. So then more branches can grow that will bear fruit. It's a long process, but it's natural. Just like hopefully marriage should be natural. You should want to get more connected with your spouse. That's why you married them, right? Now I know that, I mean, sometimes it, things happen, okay? Love you, baby. <laughs> and you get frustrated with each, other, with each other, and that's natural. But it's also natural to desire to continue to work on that relationship and continue to help it grow. Just in the same way, it's natural to be connected. Once you are connected with God and you've committed your life to Him, it's natural that you're going to want to start doing things for Him. It's going to be natural that you're going to want to take the higher road when everyone else is taking the lower road. It's natural. It's part of this connection. You're feeding off of the vine. You're getting nourishment from Him. Now, I mentioned pruning a couple times. And sometimes it is going to be painful. Just like in a marriage, sometimes it is tough. Take a look at verse 2. It says, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Pruning. The idea of pruning is to take away those branches or those offshoots, or whatever you want to call them, that are fruitless to make room for more growth. This is the idea of Romans 8.28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. We go through tough times. James chapter 1 says to consider it joy whenever you're experiencing trials, because you know that the testing of your faith develops 
perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And this all started with trials. We're going to go through tough times. But it's all for our betterment. It's all for growth. It's all so that we can be producing more fruit. In one of your uh, questions for your small group this week, it asks to think about a time that you have a, a trial that you've experienced in your life and be able to look back that, on that trial and go, yeah, I can see that I have produced fruit from that. I can see that God has worked in me through that to make me grow, to help me become more like him. So think about that today. Think about the fact that, man, yeah, you've been through rough times, but it's for your betterment. God's working on you. He's pruning you. He's helping you grow. So what? Here's what I want to leave you with today. These two words. We talked about both of them. Connecting, committing. If you want to remain with God, you need to do these two things. You need to be connected to Him. And you need to be committed to Him. It's not a one or the other. It's not a pick and choose. It's both or neither. A branch may start out being connected, but if it's not committed, if it's not bearing fruit, it's going to be tossed off. It's going to be thrown in the fire. It's going to be burned. This branch could desire to produce as much fruit as possible. But guess what? It's not going to because it's not connected. It's not receiving that nourishment that it needs. Connect so you can taste the goodness and bear fruit. And commit so that you can stay connected. I want to challenge you once again to examine your life. Examine your life. Where are you at? Are you connected? Are you producing fruit? Do you need to get right with God? Are there areas of your life that need to be pruned? I want to invite the band up now. Some of your Bibles have a note that the Greek for prunes also means cleans in verse 2. We're going to sing a song called Give Us Clean Hands. I want to encourage you to take this time to examine yourself. Make things right. If you need prayer, come up to the front. There's, there's empty chairs here. There's a couple chairs over here. I would love to pray for you or with you. One of the community group leaders would also love to do the same. They'd be glad to pray for you. Don't take this lightly. This is a lifetime decision. This is a huge decision. I encourage you, as we sing this song, examine your life. Are you clean? Are you pure? Or are you not connected? Are you just faking it? 
God, you've offered us good fruit. You'd offered up, you've offered us a connection to the vine. God, let us grab on to that connection and hold with all our hearts. God, continue to prune in the areas that we need pruned. Cut off those things that are just slowing us from growing so that we can be more fruitful. God, if there's people in here right now that are wrestling with this idea of being connected, I just pray that you touch them. God, I pray that you minister to them. Draw them to you and help them with this desire to be connected. God, help them to see the lifelong positive impact that that will have on them, the change that it will bring. And God, just give them the courage to commit today. In Jesus' name.